Hey there, people-powered business community. Are you ready to transform the way you handle difficult conversations in your business? If so, I'd love you to join me for the Mastering Difficult Conversations workshop that I'm running next week. In just three interactive online sessions on the 18th, 20th and 22nd of March, you'll discover your unique leadership style, you'll master the art of impactful communication by learning the translation code, and you will build your personalized difficult conversations framework. Imagine tackling tricky team talks with confidence and ease, all for the special price for you listeners of just $47. But hurry, spots limited to ensure that we have an engaging experience for everyone. It's time to go from overwhelmed to empowered and lead your business with confidence. Just head over to peoplepoweredbusiness.com.au forward slash workshop to secure your seat now. Welcome to the People Powered Business Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Lee Billet. If you employ staff, engage contractors, or rely on people to help deliver your products or services, you're in the right place. Join us each week as we dive in to uncover what makes people tick, learn the best strategies and tactics to build an amazing team, and most importantly, discover how you, the business owner or leader, can unleash the power of your people to help create the successful business you deserve. Let's get started. Hi there, Christy Lee here and welcome to episode number 177 of the People Powered Business Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me here on this week's episode of the podcast. I hope you're doing well and having a great week, whatever you're up to and wherever you are tuning into the podcast. Now to our returning listeners, welcome back. Always great to have you here and thanks so much for joining me again this week. And if you are one of our new listeners to the podcast, welcome. It's great to have you here and I really hope you enjoy this episode as well as the back catalogue of 176 other episodes that you can tune in to. Now, today we're chatting on the podcast about breaking free from micromanagement. Now, interestingly, I recently um, sort of conducted a bit of a poll, a bit of a survey with um, those of you who might be on my email list and asked a very simple question about your team. And I was really, really interested in the number of responses that came back saying that they were struggling with micromanagement. It was actually the majority of responses had some reference in some way to one of the biggest challenges that they're having right now being micromanagers. And we've discussed micromanagement actually on the podcast before, back in episode number 162, and I'll pop a link in the show notes. Um, We looked at the curse of micromanagement and we unpacked in that particular episode why micromanagement was really bad for business. And reading these responses, what sort of became clear to me was that these people knew that micromanagement was not good for business, um, not good for them as the manager either yet they sort of found themselves feeling trapped in this um, cycle, I guess, of micromanagement and not really sure how to get out of it. And I could sense the frustration, the um, dread, I guess, in the responses that people were really feeling despondent by the fact that they couldn't see a way out of micromanaging their people and having a productive team. So I thought, let's unpack that a little further on the podcast. Let's have a chat about that and why we sort of find ourselves in this trap. So today I thought we could take a look at 
micromanagement in comparison to other management styles or leadership styles because really that's all micromanagement is. It's just a style of leading and managing people. And obviously there are other styles of leading and managing people. And, you know, in fairness, all styles have their pros and cons. There's not one style that is the magic solution for every team, for every individual or for every scenario. Um, But how does micromanagement fit into that group? I thought we'd also chat about why we find ourselves micromanaging and, um, you know, reading from the responses, some of the common themes that I picked up on. And importantly, I wanted to share with you some strategies on if how to break free from micromanagement. So if you find yourself in this spiral or this cycle and you really don't want to be there, you're not enjoying it, you're frustrated by it, you just, it's not sitting well with you, then I want to share with you some strategies that might help you break free from that cycle. So how does that sound? Are we ready to dive on in to micromanagement? All right, great. So let's firstly look at micromanagement in comparison to other management and leadership styles. Because like I said earlier, all micromanagement is, is one particular way to manage people. And I would would suggest most of the time, most of us would dip between different styles we will probably have a default style that is our natural tendency. Uh, And for some of you, that may be micromanagement. Uh, But for others, you might find yourself micromanaging and it's really challenging for you because it it isn't your natural or default leadership style. But maybe one of these other ones that we're going to chat about is where you feel more comfortable, but you maybe haven't felt that was working for your team at the moment or for one in particular employee. So let's chat about different micromanagement, not micromanagement, different management styles and see how they compare. So if we start with micromanagement and what that is, as we've chatted about on the podcast before, it's really just having an excessive amount of control over all the little nuanced details of a particular task or project. The key thing with micromanagement as a style is that it focuses on the task over the person or the outcome or anything else. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit later when we look at the reasons we find ourselves trapped, because interestingly, often we're talking about wanting our team to be focused on the outcome or the result. Yet if we're micromanaging, we're actually managing based on tasks. So that's all our team will be focused on is the task. So we're almost perpetuating the cycle by micromanaging in that scenario, which is really interesting. So micromanagement focuses on the task. I need you to do this task in this way, no deviation, no thought process. It actually encourages people to not think micromanagement. So again, this is part of that cycle that we'll chat about. So micromanagement is that excessive amount of control over all the nuanced details and it's very much focused on task over person. Now I like to see the flip side or the way I look at it is the flip side of micromanagement is what leadership experts would call the laissez-faire style of leadership which is characterized by a high level of autonomy. So you're basically letting the team do whatever they want. I actually call this the non-boss style of leadership because it's usually people that I work with that just don't want to manage people. You know, they'll say to me, if you could just create a business where I didn't have to manage people, I'd be super happy with that. And maybe you can relate to that. So the laissez-faire style of leadership 
is really characterized by giving your people a high level of autonomy. But how I see this play out in small businesses particularly is it's usually people who find themselves running a team, owning a business that don't enjoy the people management and leadership side. So they default to not doing it at all. And and often what I see is the team running the show and not the actual manager or the business owner and them getting frustrated because things aren't happening, but they're just not leading at all. So those are guess that for me are like the polar opposites of leadership styles. And these other ones are sort of sitting somewhere in between on the spectrum. So a very common one is the democratic leadership style. Now, this is interesting. This is when you're making decisions with the team, for the team. So everything is a group discussion, a group decision. I have seen this work incredibly well when you've got the right people. And I have seen this style be very, very problematic in businesses. And I think at some level in businesses, it doesn't work particularly well. And particularly in the upper echelons of leadership in business. So I I worked with a team recently where there was the business owner and two senior leaders in the, I guess, leadership team. It was only, it's only a small business, so it wasn't massive. But that business owner would, was is very democratic in their leadership style. They wanted to make decisions jointly with the other senior leaders. The problem with that is at that level, the business owner sometimes needs to make the decision because making decisions by committee or democratically sometimes means that the right decision isn't made for the business because Everyone in the business is not the business owner, right? Only you as the business owner can make certain decisions. So the democratic style can work at certain levels, but I don't think this is a style that works at every level or every scenario. And that's what I'm talking about when we're chatting through these different styles, is that sometimes you need to dip into different styles for different circumstances. And micromanagement is one of those styles. So I sort of want you to encourage you to look at these other styles and see where you could dip out of micromanagement and into one of these other styles. Now, a more, I would say, old school style is the autocratic style of management or leadership where you're making decisions for the team unilaterally, I should say. So this is top-down decision-making, very characterized by the workplaces of the 80s and 90s. If you worked in those workplaces, you will know that. Um And I think generationally, our new generations in the workforce wouldn't accept this type of leadership style. They would really struggle to work in that environment. Certainly in some instances, you do need to be autocratic because you need to get things done, because you need to give direction, because you're setting the direction for the business as the business owner. But if you were only autocratic, you would have, you know, issues just the same as what you would do if you were only micromanaging people. Then we've got our visionary almost the polar opposite again to to the autocratic style. This kind of leadership style is inspirational. You lead with enthusiasm. You set big picture goals. Being a visionary leader is awesome and it can really motivate your people, but you've got to have implementers in your team. Otherwise, nothing gets done, but great leadership style. We've got our, you know, I guess paternalistic is one way of putting it. It's that kind of environment where you're trying to create a family in the workplace. And I know for lots of small businesses, this is a default style. You want your team to feel like they're part of your family. Now, again, I've seen it work well and I've seen it not work well at all. Um, I think there are definitely downsides to it because these people aren't your family. Uh, But I certainly feel like that is a default for many small business owners. Of course, we've got our transformational leadership style where we're trying to empower our team to grow and innovate 
think tech startups, they will go for this kind of style because they're looking to make big impact and big change in the world. We've got our coaching style, and if any of you are sports coaches, this might be your default. Uh, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if it is your default. And this is very hands-on mentoring approach to management, and this coaching style is an important style to develop as part of your management and leadership toolkit because you will need to draw on it as an effective leader at some point. And, of course, then we've got the persuasive style. If you've ever worked for a sales manager, you will know this style. <laughs> they convince teams to support their decisions, sometimes almost in a mind-boggling way, um, but your highly persuasive people will default to a persuasive style. So you can see that you, as a business owner, even if you find yourself in the trap of micromanaging now, how you could dip into these other styles as a way to get a particular outcome or a particular change happening within your team. And what I really wanted to demonstrate by sort of unpacking those styles, and we could do a whole episode or a whole series of episodes on those styles, but what I really wanted to unpack there was demonstrating to you that micromanagement is just a management or leadership style. That's all it is. And if you can adopt that style, you can absolutely adopt these other styles. And I thought by demonstrating those, you might be able to start to see, I guess, the fog might lift a little bit for you in terms of how other styles might get the outcome that you're seeking much more effectively than micromanaging. And I think we partly fall into the trap of micromanaging because we've experienced it ourselves in our own careers. And so we think that is the only way but there are many, many ways to get the outcome that you want. And it's simply like putting on, um, you know, a new pair of sunglasses creates a whole new look. Putting on a different management style creates a whole new look in how you're going to um, influence your team to get them to where you want to go. So we know there's all these different management and leadership styles. Why is it that we find ourselves in this trap, in this cycle of micromanaging? Yeah. In my personal experience, I know, <laughs> if any of my previous team members are listening to this, they will laugh, I can be a bit of a control freak. So that was certainly part of my problem when I found myself micromanaging my team because, you know, and I think as entrepreneurs and business owners, we've all got some of this about us. We are very clear about what we expect and what we want in our own minds at least, even if we don't communicate it well. And therefore, we are the only ones that can possibly make that happen. It's simply not true. I'll just put that out there. But I think there is an element of that. And that was my certainly my own personal experience. Also, I'm a fiercely independent person. So um, trusting other people is not necessarily my default. So that was another challenge for me as well. And, and maybe you can relate to those challenges. But pulling apart the information that I gleaned from this recent um, poll that I conducted there's some other reasons that some of you are finding yourself in this trap. And I think it's really interesting because there's different angles and different reasons that you're finding yourself back micromanaging. One thing that came up was not really being sure how to motivate people, sort of wanting them to be proud of their work, to take pride in their work, um, to have that emotional commitment to work, which we call engagement, and how to motivate them around that. And with the uncertainty of how to motivate People are finding themselves dipping back into micromanagement almost, and I see, I can see it playing out almost as an autocratic style of micromanagement, 
where it's just, well, I'm going to almost, it's that carrot or the stick analogy, I guess. It, they're, they're defaulting to the stick rather than the carrot because they're not sure what the carrot looks like and how to motivate. So that's really interesting. Now, we've discussed motivation a lot on the podcast before. Um, so definitely go back. If, if that's you and that's resonating, you're thinking, I've got no clue how to, how to motivate my people and that's why I'm sliding back into micromanagement. Please go back and have a listen to our previous episodes on motivation. There's there's many of them in the library. Um, and if you need some assistance with finding an episode, um, I'll let you know where you can contact me at the end of this episode. Just reach out and I'll definitely get you some episodes to have a listen to. There are lots of ways to motivate people. And the good thing is you can get very creative with that. But micromanaging definitely does not motivate people. So if you slip back into micromanagement, you're undoing all of your in- good intent to motivate. Some of the other reasons are expectation management. So my team are not doing things as quickly as I want them to do or to the quality that I expect. They're not doing things to my standards. And that's a really um, interesting problem. And I think I think it's a problem in a few levels. And, and some of the strategies I'm going to share with you will really help with that particular challenge. I think part of it is expectation management. Your team are not you. And whilst absolutely you should expect a certain level of productivity and a certain level of quality, it may never quite be your work. And especially this is if you're, I guess, in a, an industry where you're actually producing goods, making things, building things, constructing things, um, that can be really problematic. But also in other industries like service professionals, no one's going to give the same as advice as you. Maybe they're going to speak to the customers slightly differently. And again, when I give you the strategies in a moment, I'm going to challenge you to think about how important that actually is or is that a control freak kind of default. Um, another challenge that came up was pe- getting people to take responsibility for the outcomes and not just the tasks and slipping back into micromanagement as a result. Here's the thing, though, like I just unpacked earlier, micromanagement actually focuses on tasks. So if you're micromanaging, you're actually taking away the possibility for them to be responsible for outcomes and results. So that's it actually perpetuates the cycle and makes it worse and worse and worse the more you micromanage. So you're actually undoing your intention again by micromanaging. I think the other thing that came up as a common theme, and this is totally normal, is as the business owner, the buck stops with us. We do have ultimate responsibility for the success of the business. So if things aren't going quite to plan or aren't going right, or you can see that maybe things aren't quite happening in the order you wanted them to, or there's a problem with a customer, we swoop in. We swoop in and fix the problem, clean up the mess, sort out the issue. And that's actually, again, taking the opportunity away from our team to fix the issue and hold accountability for it. And we just swoop straight on in and I would challenge you as a business owner to say you've never done that before because I think we all have done it before. It's totally normal, but it is problematic. And we also feel sometimes like it's the only way to get our team to do things. Micromanagement is the only way to get them to produce the thing we need them to produce at the quality, at the level, in the timeliness. If we're not micromanaging, they're not going to be productive. And I'm hoping by sharing those previous management styles, you can see that there are other ways to get your team to be productive. But these are some of the themes and some of the reasons that came out directly from those that responded to this poll, which I found really, really fascinating. So knowing all of that, 
What are the strategies? How do we get out of this cycle of this loop of this constant need to micromanage? I've got a few strategies that I'm really hoping are going to help you. Now, the first one I've got for you is to create some systems, some processes, and some procedures. Now, I know that sounds really obvious, but as business owners, we are very good at thinking that people can read our mind and because we have a certain expectation that they know that expectation or because we've said do something specific that they will remember that every single time. It's simply not the case. And so creating systems and processes and procedures is absolutely critical for you to know that things are happening as you want them to. The thing I really like about creating systems and processes is it allows you to step back but still have visibility. Because one of the reasons people often micromanage is because that if they're not micromanaging, they don't know what's going on. So it's not that they want to micromanage, they want to know what's going on and they default to micromanagement as a result. But if you've got the right systems and processes in, you've got full visibility over what's going on. So you don't need to check in, you don't need to micromanage, you don't need to constantly ask for updates because you can check the system. You can see that in your whatever program you use, and there's a million of them, you know, in terms of these things, um, there's been a few new AI tools actually released on systems and processes, which are awesome. Um, so there's so many different tools out there. Just pick one. It doesn't matter which one. My VA and I use a Trello board. That simple. And that is one of the more basic options out there. But we find it, it really works for us. Then you've got systems like monday.com and all the new AI ones. So many. Just pick one and use it. Put your processes in there. And so at any point, if you're feeling a little stressed and tense because you don't know what's going on, you check the system and not in with the person. Because if you check in with the person, you're dipping into micromanagement. If you just check the system and you can see it's happening as it should be happening, you feel a sense of trust, a sense of ease, a sense of uh, you can step back, a little bit of reassurance without having to be constantly checking over that person. So systems and processes and procedures are your best friend and not just procedures that are written down in a Word doc that you give to the person to follow, something that you have visibility over so that you can see the progress that's being made or the process that's being followed. So any kind of IT system that you can use to oversee how that's moving through, great. Even in a production environment, you can create systems where you can see that things have moved from one station to another station or moved from the warehouse to the loading dock, for example. So there are systems and systems are your best friend when it comes to having visibility because once you've got visibility, as you know, our tense business owner selves can just relax a little and it will stop us from micromanaging. So that's a great little shortcut that you can put in place. At a bigger level, I think it's really important to get clear in our own minds about what are our expectations, what are our boundaries, and importantly, we actually need to tell the team about them because <laughs> they're no good in our head if we haven't told anyone. So this is, again, where I see people slipping into micromanagement because they let people loose and then they realize the team are running the shop and not them. And then so they jump back in and default to the exact extreme of micromanagement. Where if you set expectations and let people know, here's the boundaries to work within. When you get to this point, you're going to need to come in and check, check in with me. Or if a customer asks for a refund, you need to check in with me, whatever it is. And then you uphold those boundaries. Then again, you've got that sense of reassurance that things are happening in the parameters that you've set. You've got to be prepared to uphold them though, but actually just telling your team what you expected them 
so simple but so effective and will stop you needing to micromanage. One of the key things you need to learn is to master the art of delegation. Not just delegating the task, delegating the responsibility for the outcome, the results, whatever it is. Now, delegating is not something we're all good at naturally. It really is something you have to practice and master. And again, we've done some episodes purely on delegation. But really learning to delegate effectively. And if if this is something you really struggle with, and I know I've been there too, start small, start simple, start with something you're comfortable with and flex that muscle. You really need to build that delegation muscle. So learn to delegate effectively. Absolutely essential. Also, I think as a strategy, do a little self-check-in with yourself about what's really important here, because this is where our control freak can kick in. Is it actually important that the team do things the exact way we would do them? And in some cases it is, I'm not saying it never is, but sometimes it actually doesn't matter what process is followed. It's the outcome that matters. So is it that every nuanced detail is that important? Or is that you being a control freak? So do a little check-in with yourself. Also check in with yourself whether you've got some fear bubbling up here, whether the thought of letting go of something in your business gives you fear, that's your control freak kicking in. And so doing a little self-check-in with yourself to understand why you're defaulting to this can actually help to really unlock some of the underlying reasons and can just help you to start to shift away from it. And the other strategy that I really like, and this is similar to creating systems and processes, is creating communication loops. Now, this helps because, again, you know that there are parameters that are going to be followed so that you don't need to follow up. So this can look like delegating something to someone. Maybe it's a project that's going to take a month, as an example, And letting them know that every Friday afternoon, they need to check in with you to just give you a status update on where the project's at, flag any concerns, let you know what's progressed. If they're doing that proactively, you don't need to check in with them, which steps you back from micromanagement. It gives you that sense of security that things are happening and there are feedback loops. And again, the communicating, at what point do they need to flag something with you? Is there a boundary they can't cross? Setting all of that up as a communication loop, very helpful in helping you to step back from micromanagement. And it's again, a little hack. It's a bit like the systems and processes. It's the nice little hack you can implement that will stop you from defaulting to micromanagement. So creating systems and processes, getting clear about your expectations and boundaries and communicating them. Master the art of delegating effectively. Do a self-check-in. Is this a you problem or a them problem? (laughs) And create some communication loops to give you that sense of security that you're going to know what's going on. They're my strategies. What I'm hoping today is that you can, if you'll find yourself in this micromanagement spiral or cycle or trap, that you can take one of those strategies and start to implement it. Take one. Whichever one feels like it's easiest for you, whichever one you feel is going to help you stop micromanaging fastest and give you that sense of relief. It's going to give you your time back, most importantly, and it's going to empower your team to be more effective. Because if you're micromanaging, your team are not productive, they're not motivated, and they're not as effective as they could be. And they certainly don't feel like they're a team you can rely on because you wouldn't be micromanaging if you felt like that. 
So I'm hoping you found that discussion on micromanagement today interesting. Maybe you've compared yourself to the other management styles and started to think about how you can dip in and out of those. Maybe you've realized you're finding yourself in the trap for a reason that is actually uh, something you need to work on as you know internally and mentally yourself and what I'm hoping is you can take one of those strategies to help you start to break free from that micromanagement style. Now if you are finding yourself micromanaging and you'd like to share your experience about how you're breaking free or get some support from other like-minded business owners on this topic please join us in our Facebook group, HR Support for Australian Businesses. You can find it just by looking in Facebook groups, or of course, the link will be in the show notes, which you can find wherever you're listening to today's episode. That's it for me for today. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. It does help other business owners to know that this podcast is great for them. Also lets me know which episodes you're enjoying most so I can uh, bring you more episodes just like that. All right. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of the People Powered Business Podcast. Mm -hmm.